Good to have you here this morning. Can't wait to see what I'm going to say. I did not know how to organize my thoughts today for this message. I was going berserk. Because sometimes, you know, you want to have it just right, and I like to give an outline and boom, 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 boom. But that just had difficulty because I had so much I wanted to say, and I didn't know how to say it. I want to share something with you that I think will help. At least I pray so. Turn in your Bible to the book of Acts chapter 7. The book of Acts and chapter 7. Now, I'm going to say some things that you're going to, you might find a little hard to understand, but if you listen to everything that I say, I'm sure that uh, it'll be clear enough for you to grasp, and you can say, hey, that makes sense to me. So here in the book of Acts, in chapter 7, look in verse 54. Verse 54. This is on page 1158 in one of the church Bibles. In verse 54, when they heard these things, they were cut to the heart, and they gnashed on him with their teeth. But he, being full of the Holy Ghost, looked up steadfastly into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing on the right hand of God and said, Behold, I see the heavens open and the Son of Man standing on the right hand of God. Then they cried out with a loud voice and stopped their ears and ran upon him with one accord, cast him out of the city, stoned him. And the witnesses laid down their clothes at a young man's feet whose name was Saul. And they stoned Stephen, calling upon God and saying, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And he kneeled down, cried with a loud voice, Lord, lay not this sin to their charge. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. They took a man, a deacon, by the way, a deacon, took him out. We don't know how many sermons this young man got a chance to preach, but we know he preached this one, and they stoned him to death. He must have said something pretty strong to make somebody that mad that they were willing to kill him. Well, they did. But the Bible says that he looked up and he saw Jesus standing. Now, as other scripture says that Jesus sits on the right hand of the Father. Now, he's standing up. And it says that he, that his clothes, if you'll notice there, and it says in the last part of verse 58, laid down their clothes at a young man's feet whose name was Saul. So Saul at this time was a, a bad man. He was a bad man. But he also, as we saw this morning in Sunday school in chapter 16 of the book of John, where it says they believed they did God a favor. And he says some are going to kill you believing they're doing God a favor. Just like we have today in the Middle East, we have people that are religious enough and they think they're doing God a favor by killing everybody that's not of the religion of Islam, which is what their goal will be. So then he says here in chapter 8, verse 1, And Saul was consenting unto his death, gave his approval. At that time there was a great persecution against the church, which was at Jerusalem. And he was part of that persecution. And they were all scattered abroad throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. And devout men carried Stephen to his burial and made great lamentation over him. As for Saul, he made havoc of the church, entering into every house, hailing men and women, committing them to prison. Now, if there's anybody that's bad, that there's a bad dude. This man is bad. I've had people ask me sometimes, you know, can God save a really bad person? A bad, well, what is a really bad person? Think of the worst person you've ever heard of. The worst person in the world. Even if you watch some of these videos where the guy stands there and, actually, and literally cuts off a man's head. You say, well, that man can never be saved. That man can't go to heaven. Well, what about a man like Hitler? 
What about Mussolini and Stalin and all these people that have killed so many people over the years and the centuries? How can they possibly get to go to heaven when they die? And then there's a lot of people that live good lives. They try to live a good life, helping one another. And you're trying to tell me that these bad people can go to heaven and these good religious people may not make it? Now, I want to discuss three different groups of people this morning. We know there's only two, saved and the lost. Saints, the ain'ts. The believers, the unbelievers. But this morning, I want to give you three groups. I want to talk about, first of all, those that are lost. There are people that I've talked to, and they say, because of what I've done, I can't be saved. I am so bad. I am so bad. I had one man tell me, he said, I've killed 52 people. And he stood there with tears in his eyes running down. And say, he says, God can't save me. He said, I want to go to heaven, but I have been so bad. I've killed 52 people. He's in the military. He was a Navy SEAL. He says, and God, I don't think God can ever save me. And I said, where are you going to go? He said, I'm going to hell. I know I'm going to hell. Over the years, I've talked to people that have said, I know I'm going to hell. So there are those that believe, and they know, beyond a shove it out, I'm going to hell. I've had people tell me, and I have no desire to go anywhere else. I don't believe in God, and if there is a hell, I want to go there. And I thought, but you've got something really missing. But there are people that know where they're going when they die. Because isn't it true that most time we ask people, do you know where you're going when you die? And I had this one man that I led to the Lord back in 1968 at a camp. And he says, I says, where are you going today? He says, to hell. And he knew he was going to hell. I Later on, I led him to the Lord. But at that point, he knew he was going to hell. And there are people that know that. But then along comes religion. You know, religion that tells people you need to be saved. So they, okay, you've got to trust Christ. He paid for sin. And there's a church, and it may be different denominational churches, and they talk about you got to be saved. So they want to be saved. Whatever you do to be saved, okay, they're saved now. But then you have two branches of this issue. There are those that believe like an Armenian. That's those who believe, yes, I'm saved, but I can lose my salvation. And then you have those that are saved, but you got to persevere in the faith. So you can be saved and lose it, and you can be saved, but you got to persevere to show that you are saved, to prove that you're saved. And so we went from somebody that knew they're going to hell. Now they're religious, and the best now is that they have an option. If they obey and do right, they get to go. But if they don't, they won't. So now it's not a definite positive, yes, I am. It's just maybe, I hope, perhaps, I'm trying. So they live with a hope that they are going to heaven. Now, there's another group over there. And they are those really fanatics. They claim wholeheartedly, beyond a shadow of a doubt, they know they're going to heaven when they die. Can you believe that? That there are some people who actually believe that whenever they die, 
They're going to heaven and they believe that there's no way they could ever go to hell. So you have over here people who know they're going to hell. Here you have people who know they're going to heaven. And you have some people here that don't know for sure. If you had a choice in which group to be in, which group would you want to be in? A, B, or C? I see, says the blind man. Now, I want you to understand that there's a, a big difference in how people see things. You see, whenever you break it down this way, and there's people who are, I'm saved, but if I don't live right, I can lose my salvation. So if it's true and you could lose it, that means you really don't know you're going to make it to heaven. Because if you can lose it, you don't know you won't. So here you are. If I can lose it, why would I lose it? Okay. Because I did something I shouldn't have done. Evidently. How many of these I shouldn't have done do I have to do? Can I commit one sin and I lose it? Oh, got to be more than that. Maybe two. Or is it three sins? Is it four sins? Is it five sins? How many sins do you have to commit? If I can lose it, how many do I have to do to lose it? And if I have lost it, can I know when I've lost it? Or do I just hope that I haven't lost it, but I might have lost it? And I could live my whole life not knowing that I lost it, but I thought I had it. Now, is there really good peace and joy and happiness in this group? Because they don't know where they're going when they die. Why? Because if you can lose it, you don't know you haven't already lost it. Because you don't even know how to keep it. What church is the right church? How much money do you really have to give? Yeah, but you were a quarter short. How many prayers do you have to make? Yeah, but you didn't pray long enough. Often enough. So if it depends on you, you don't know how to perform. You don't even know what you have to perform. And if you can lose it, you don't even know that you haven't already lost it. Now, is that where you want to be? Now, there's people who believe this. I'm saved, but I can lose my salvation, still go to hell in the future. But there's this other group over here, and sometimes they call themselves Calvinism, and they have a, a lot of different, um, you know, little uh, uh, tentacles on this uh, octopus. But one of the main ones is you've got to persevere in the faith. Yeah, I'm saved, but I have to live it. And if I don't live it, that's a sign that I really don't have it. So these people can't really know that they're saved at all. Why? Because they have to persevere as the proof or the evidence that they really had it. So if you have to have the works to prove that you have it, how long before you can actually know I have it? Now, over here we had to discuss how many sins keeps me from losing it. Over here, how many good deeds before I can know I have it? Getting confused? That's why there's so many people are confused. They don't know where they're going when they die. 
I know I have eternal life. I know I'm going to heaven whenever I die. You see, I'm in that group over there. I am definite, assured, confident, pig-headed, definite, argumentative, dictatorial, dominating. You say, are you sure? Yeah, I'm definitely, I'm sure. I can't go to hell if I tried. Now, if you want to be in this, I might make it group. Okay. But it's not going to be okay. Because you, you hear, you can't have peace and joy and happiness because you don't know how many sins it's going to cause you to lose your salvation and you don't know how much good work will be the proof that you're really saved. Then you have to wait until when to find out if you really are. I've often asked, the, you know, a person who says, well, you have to be chosen by God. Okay, tell me something. How do you know you are? Well, I'm, I'm chosen. How do you know? How do you know that you're the one that God reached down and all those millions of people and God chose to save you because there's something special about you? Yeah, how do you know that? Well, I know I'm saved. How do you know? Because if you believe in the perseverance of the saints, you can't definitely know that you have eternal life until you die and then your life proof that you really were all along. Or if you don't persevere, it might be the proof that you never were. Which one would you want? Try to prove that you're saved because you didn't do the bad or prove that you're saved because you did the good. Either way, it looks upon a man's performance or lack thereof. My confidence and assurance is not based upon what I don't do or what I do. My going to heaven is based upon what he did. And that's how I know I'm going to heaven because I have this free gift of everlasting life. Let me tell you something that you will see in just a second. Lordship salvation. The people who believe you have to persevere in your life to prove that you're saved. We call that lordship salvation. It means that you have to make Christ the Lord and the master of your life and serve him in order to be saved. Lordship salvation teaching produces more ungodly living than anything. And I'll tell you why. Because so many people get so frustrated trying to live this Christian life. And the guilt that they're not performing according to what they say they believe. I can't live it. I've tried. And I give up. And if I'm going to go to hell, I might as well have me a ball before I get out there. And you'll find yourself talking to a lot of people if you witness. Now, if you don't witness anybody, you don't understand anything I'm saying. But I do talk to people occasionally. So I find out what they believe. And why they believe what they believe. Because somebody told them, you have to perform. You've got to do these good deeds. And if you don't perform, you don't do these good deeds, you can't go to heaven. Because you can't tell me. All that you have to do is trust Christ as your Savior. And then go out here and live any way you please and still go to heaven. Well, I hate to tell you this, but God said that. God said that. 
because it's not based upon your works anyway. So I don't have to worry about my sins causing me to lose my salvation. I don't have to perform and live a certain way to prove that I am saved. I'm saved because 53 years ago in a little old living room, Yankee Arnold trusted Christ as my Savior. I'm not the Savior. He is saving me. I'm trusting Him to take me to heaven. It has nothing to do with me, good or bad or indifferent. I'm going to heaven because He meant business, He gave His word, and I have the free gift of everlasting life. There's a bunch of scriptures that I wanted to read to you, but I'm, I'm not going to. I will have time. Like I said, I ramble a little bit. Yesterday, I'm sitting in the office, and uh, the choir's out here practicing. I usually come on Saturday because it's so nice and quiet. There's nobody in the hall. There's nobody in here singing. It's just quiet. The phones doesn't ring. Most people know that nobody's here on Saturday. So I can just sit and read and think, and it's just a blessing. But then they moved the choir up to meet on yesterday. So the choir is here, and they're singing. And, of course, I can hear. And then they have a break, and so then they come right down the hall. Have you ever seen about ten women in the hallway and be perfectly quiet? <laughs> it ain't going to happen. So I got to see what's going on. So I walk out, and they're just having a good time, and they're singing and happy and all that there. So I, oh, I need some water anyway. So I go back in, and they come back in and have their second half of their breakfast. And the phone rang. Betty got the phone. I, I, don't, I don't answer the phone. I try my best. Never answer the phone on Saturday. But the phone rang. So I, Betty says, yeah, this lady, you need to talk to her. Okay, so I talked to this lady on the phone. And she says, are you the pastor? I said, yes, ma'am. She says, well, I, uh, I was at this shopping mall, and I, I'm down, I'm, I'm dejected, and I thought she was going to start crying on the phone to me. She said, but I, and I'm so miserable, but I, I saw this piece of paper laying on the ground, and I picked it up, and I says, ma'am, did it say, am I going to heaven on the front? She said, yes. I said, we have kids that goes out, and they pass out these things. Somebody may have left it on the floor, on the ground. I says, I got a picture on of a little fella. She said, yes. I said, that's my picture when I was 17, had hair. <laughs> she laughed too. And she says, I, I, I read that thing. And she says, it's got the number of the church on the back, so I called. And she says, I've, I've got cancer, and, and, and I may not make it. And so she mentioned some, about a, a tumor she had in the brain and another one on her spine. And she, I said, well, ma'am, can I ask you where, where do you go to church? She says, I go to the Catholic church. I says, have they ever talked to you about how to know positively that you have eternal life and know that you're going to heaven? She says, no. I said, ma'am, you got just a couple of minutes. Can I just talk to her? And she said, yes. So I talked to her and I explained the gospel to her how she could know she could have eternal life. I says, does, does that make sense? She says, that makes more sense than anything I've ever heard. I says, right now, would you trust Jesus Christ as your Savior? She said, yes, I will. And she says, I know I have eternal life. She says, you have no idea what knowing this has done for me. 
She said, I thank you so much. She was so excited. She was so glad. So anyway, I had a word prayer with her and hung up the phone. And, and then we had been looking at this bus sitting up here on the, the parking lot here. And Jesse and them says that they need a bigger bus. Can you believe that? They need a bigger bus. We just got that, but they were on a bigger bus. I says, well, I had gone over there, and I found out who owned the bus, so I called him, and he was going to come out yesterday, so he come out at 1230. So I go over there, and Bob Gilbert goes over there, and Jesse shows up with about two or three of his ringleaders. I mean, his, um, <laughs> those amigos of his sitting right there. So they, they, they showed up. And uh, the man shows up, and he has a little daughter. And, and it didn't take long before we had to you know, look at the boss and so forth. And uh, anyway, we got to talking. And we had to take a little drive. And so while he's driving, I got to talking to the guy. And I said, well, what kind of a church do you go to? Because he knows I'm pastor of the church. I said, what kind of church do you go to? I had no clue. He says, he said, I go to the Catholic church. I says, that is so interesting. I said, I just had a lady call me on the phone that goes to the Catholic Church because she found, and I pulled one of these out. I said, she found one of these on the ground at a shopping mall, and she called me up on the phone, and she's, she's got cancer and very serious, and she did not know where she was going to go when she died. And I says, ma'am, can I explain it to you? And I says, it's, she asked me you know, to explain it to her, and I explained to her just because of this one little piece of paper. And I says, and now she knows she has it on it. She knows she's going to, she, he, the guy says, he says, can I have that? <laughs> I said, I usually charge for these, but I'll give it to you. <laughs> so anyway, we, we talked very big, and then we came out here, and he was, was going gonna to look at our bus. And I says, before we look at our bus, I says, can I explain something to you? So I explained the gospel to him, and he said, I've never heard it like this before. That makes so much sense. So he trusted Christ as his Savior. And I get all excited just by something like, do you know that knowing you have eternal life, knowing you have eternal life, is better than knowing that you're going to hell. It's better than hoping that I'm going to heaven. It's better than me trying to get to heaven. It's better when you can say, I know I have eternal life. Do you think that woman that's dying of cancer wants to hope she makes it? Or would she like to know she's going to make it? Know that she's going to heaven. You can't know you're going to heaven unless it's totally a free gift and has absolutely nothing to do with the quality of my life. This is why when you read about the Apostle Paul, how bad he was. Can God save the worst man, the most wicked man in the world? Can God save him? Yes, he, you mean regardless of what he's done? Yeah. And yet you'll have people say, well, I don't believe that you can just live any way you please and go to heaven when you die. Why? Anybody can. That's why Christ died. Regardless of what you have done, God can forgive you of every sin. We say that to a person that's supposed he's lost. What if a man lives to be 90 years old and he's done everything in the book and he's on his death? Can God save him? Well, he doesn't deserve it. Grace means undeserved. He doesn't deserve it. But nobody does. I, uh, I got a letter yesterday, and this one almost knocked my socks off. 
And she wrote it to the congregation. She wrote this letter to y'all because she found out something. I don't know if it was on YouTube or where she found it, but she found it. So she says, greetings. I pray all is well with your congregation of believers. And then she starts off, she says, this is uh, from a, a, a lady named Bobby, Bobby Joe. says, I wanted to personally thank this preacher for saving me by his word. By grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone have I been saved. What a truly loving God. How happy have I been made by deciding Christ to be my personal Savior. The love that has come to my heart in learning of his glorious, selfless, holy love of me. Yet a sinner and the creator of everything wanted me in heaven with him for eternity. Words cannot express how thankful I am. The Lord has somehow managed to lead me out of lordship salvation while attending the church of Christ. Now you think the lordship salvation is those that are independent, fundamental, Bible-believing, missionary-minded Baptists. No. This can be any church. Because, you see, majority of churches teach you have to live the life either to be saved or to keep your salvation. Both are wrong. You see, the church of Christ teaches works for salvation. And you have to be water baptized. You've got to be a member of their church, and you've got to give money, and you've got to be a member. All that works. The Bible says, for by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works. But you'll be surprised how many churches teach you're saved by your works. And if you don't live it, you can't have it. And he'll take it away from you. That is not true. That is a lie. And there's a lot of religion, a lot of churches teaches. Lordship, salvation. you've got to make Christ the Lord and the master of your life. This is why around here we don't say this. Not all people mean the same thing even when they say it. I accepted Christ as my Lord and Master, or as my Lord and Savior. No, I accepted Christ as my Savior. Lord and Savior means that if I make Him the Lord of my life, He will save me. But if I don't, He won't. So we don't put those two things together. We keep salvation and service separated. 